0: Welcome everyone to the score fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the score. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a week since free agency officially opened though. I mean, there is that legal tampering period that started a couple days prior to that, but officially it's been a week since the new league year started and most of the notable free agents are already off the market. There's still a couple intriguing players out there, guys like Jared Cook TJ Yeldon I want to see where CJ Anderson ends up there's some other backup running backs as well like Spencer Ware and Isaiah Crowell who could ultimately at some point in the year end up as fantasy contributors so we need to know where everyone is going to land but for the most part the main free agents have signed, and then we had those trades the Odell Beckham deal, Antonio Brown, Deshaun Jackson as well. They all got moved right around the same time there. And I went over the fallout from those deals and the early signings in last week's episode. Now, this week, I want to talk about who the biggest fantasy winners and losers were from free agency and there's all kinds of content in the NFL fantasy news section on the score app I wrote up the fantasy impact for all of the signings broke down those big trades as well I updated my 2019 fantasy rankings I updated the fantasy depth charts and then this week I pointed out some of the non-free agents who had their fantasy value impacted the most some of those I'm going to mention today but before we get into all that make sure you subscribe to the podcast and if you already are give us a rating give us a review on there And while we're on the subject of subscribing to podcasts, you should be checking out some of the other great podcasts on the SCORE Podcast Network, like Pound the Rock, our NBA show, Puck Pursuit, our NHL podcast, Sweeper Keeper, they break down everything in the soccer world, and Expand the Zone, our MLB pod with Jonah Bierenbaum and Michael Bradburn. we got a ton of great analysts here at the SCORE across all sports. You're really missing out if you're not listening. I'm just, I'm going to leave it at that all right let's get to it here we're gonna start with the winners and how can you not like baker mayfield he adds a superstar wide receiver in odell beckham I have him ranked as my fifth fantasy quarterback right now after free agency. I just caution, and I I said the same thing last week, but I caution that I am worried his ADP is going to be a little bit higher than I'm willing to go. I think that's going to be the key factor for him heading into the 2019 season. In recent best ball drafts over at Fanball, we're seeing him go off the board as the QB3. That's behind Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck. I'd be willing to consider him in the middle rounds, maybe, but if he starts going any higher than that... And I suspect he probably will. You have to peel off and just target a quarterback a little bit later. There's so much value at the position. There's no need to pay up for Mayfield and go too high on him. If you're going to target somebody a little later, I'm going to recommend Carson Wentz again. I think he was another winner. He was already in a great spot. He was undervalued heading into the off season. Looking at next season, now he gets to Sean Jackson added to the mix. That gives him the deep threat to open up the offense. I expect we're going to see Wentz healthy, running the ball again. His rushing stats just tanked last year coming back from that knee injury. We're going to get the full Wentz experience in 2019. He remains one of my favorite quarterback targets in fantasy drafts, and he's being selected as the quarterback 17 in those recent best ball drafts. Just insane value if he stays in that range. Now, some other intriguing quarterbacks who came away as winners over the last week, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. Both those guys heading into their second seasons, their teams went out and just loaded up on talent around them. Darnold gets Jamison Crowder and on Bell added to the mix. Bell doesn't just stabilize the run game, but he's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. Allen gets John Brown, a guy like Tyler Croft at tight end. The Bills really don't have much at tight end there, so Croft can help them. And maybe they're going to look at drafting a tight end come the draft in April. I could see them addressing that position with an early pick. They also signed Mitch Morse at center from the Chiefs. They brought in Frank Gore, who he's going to be a nice mentor for some of the young players in that Bills offense. And Allen was he was a surprising fantasy star in the second half of 2018. Led all quarterbacks in fantasy points over the final 6 games of the season. There's a lot of flaws in his game, I know. I'm not disputing that, but fantasy-wise, that rushing ability, some of these upgrades around him, he's someone I'm willing to target in the late rounds and Darnold didn't have the same success that Allen had as a rookie when it comes to fantasy, but he did improve a lot over that final month of the season. So my strategy of grabbing two late QBs, hoping at least one of them hits, I definitely think that's in play this year. I think Darnell and Allen are gonna be on that list. Some other lower level quarterbacks that were winners this week Derek Carr, I mean Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams they give him a completely revamped receiving core, gives him some sleeper appeal. Nick Foles and Ryan Fitzpatrick, both these guys get starting jobs. That puts them back in the fantasy radar. Foles is destined to be overvalued just based on the heroics that he displayed in Philly. The Jags offense doesn't offer the same upside, but the starting gig does make him worth considering in best ball, two quarterback, dynasty leagues, and even as a streamer. For Fitzpatrick, I don't know how he keeps doing it, but he somehow manages to stay fantasy relevant. Even in Miami, he's going to be in the streamer conversation. Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, Kenyon Drake's a good receiver out of that backfield. We might even see more from tight end Mike Gusecki. Fitzpatrick has the weapons to put up some big weeks, and we know that he's done that in the past. At running back, Mark Ingram did what I hoped, and he went out and found a team that's going to give him a big workload over the final few years of his career. He's 29 years old. He's been a heck of a fantasy performer over the last few seasons, though. At least 250 touches, at least 1,300 yards from scrimmage, and at least 10 touchdowns in 2016 and in 2017. Then this past year... Ingram serves a four game suspension to start the season and then post top 20 fantasy running back numbers over the final 12 games playing alongside Kamara. So he was still getting it done. He gives the Ravens the option to throw more to their backs and it's something they didn't do very much when Lamar Jackson was under center last year. I mean, the rushing attack was just so successful. They didn't really have to, but Ingram is a quality pass catcher. Just an ideal landing spot to put him into the top 15 conversation in all formats. I also like his replacement in New Orleans, Latavius Murray, another winner here. I mentioned how successful Ingram was with the Saints. Murray is a very similar player. He's not as strong of a receiver, but he could step in, be the big back there, help them ice away wins, handle some of the goal line work duties behind Kamara. Murray's just a much better athlete than Ingram. I could see him thriving in this offense. If you're going zero RB, I think he's a player you could target outside of the top 25 running backs. He could still get you low-end RB2 value, and he'll have league-winning potential. All it's going to take is a Kamara injury there for him. Speaking of league-winning potential, Damian Williams, we all knew the Chiefs were going to go out and bring someone in. That turned out to be Carlos Hyde, and I know some people are still advocating for Hyde. I'm not. I think he's a fine backup, but we've seen his efficiency decline in the last couple stops. He's been on four teams in the last two years now. If he's the only competition there... I'm much more excited about Damian Williams. Williams averaged 114 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns per game over the final five game span that included two of the playoff outings. The big thing for Williams now is just surviving the draft, but this class doesn't have a a Saquon Barkley, an elite level talent at the top. There's good players, just not an obvious star who can step in and steal the job guaranteed if he gets drafted. So we'll see what the Chiefs do in the draft, but Williams is one step closer to being a top 15 fantasy back. Peyton Barber, also a winner here. The Bucks didn't land a big name in free agency like many thought they might. Bell, Ingram, Tevin Coleman, they all went elsewhere, so for now... Barber is the starter though I really expect the Bucks to bring someone in during the draft. I'm not very high on Barber but he's a winner for the moment anyway. I do like Mike Davis who signed with the Bears We're talking about deeper options here, of course, but by all accounts, the Bears have completely soured on Jordan Howard. He's reportedly been on the trade block. That gives Davis a path to touches. Now, once again, I have to see what Chicago is going to do during the draft. I think it's a great landing spot for a rookie back. That could be where they move for this. Someone to pair with Tariq Cohen. But just keep Davis in mind as we wait for this one to play out. He's definitely capable of doing a Jordan Howard impression. Davis was a solid contributor during his time in Seattle. He had some strong fantasy performances when he was given enough touches. We could see that happen at some point here in Chicago in 2019. I also have to mention John Kelly, and this one gets a little bit of an asterisk. He's a tentative winner, let's say. The Lions signed fellow Rams running back at Malcolm Brown to an offer sheet. That means the Rams are going to have a chance to match, but if they don't, that would open the door for Kelly to maybe be Todd Gurley's backup, and Gurley has those knee issues that we know about now. We might see his workload scaled back a bit. That backup role could be very important in fantasy this year. If Brown leaves... We might see the Rams go and bring C.J. Anderson back. We saw the success he had there. But Kelly was a prospect I loved coming out of the draft. I really hope the Rams give him a shot. He has the tools to be a starter. He has the tools to be a fantasy star. Just needs to get his chance. Hopefully that could come this year. At receiver, Odell Beckham is a winner. I'm not going to spend much time on that. If you want to go back and listen to last week's podcast, you can hear all my takes on that deal, but he's getting a huge upgrade at quarterback. That puts him right where he belongs, among the top three for fantasy receivers, and I think he has a good shot to capture the crown as the number one overall receiver this year. Some receivers who emerged as winners in free agency just thanks to their destinations, Devin Funchess and Dante Moncrief. Funchess is that big body, 6'4", 225" finally gets to give the Colts another weapon in that receiving core other than T.Y. Hilton. I've been shouting it from the rooftops all off-season, well before he decided to go to Indy, but He's still 24 years old, and he's shown that he can produce. I mean, Funches' per-game averages from 2017 and the first six games of 2018 before the team decided to really reduce his playing time in favor of some of their other options once the Panthers decided they weren't going to bring him back. But his numbers from 2017 and early 2018 project out to a 67-catch, 883-yard, 8-touchdown campaign. Those numbers would make him a low-end wide receiver two in all fantasy formats. Now he's going to be playing with a more accurate quarterback in luck, a wide receiver three I think, and one who has big, big touchdown upside. We'll talk about who's going to be affected in Indy a little bit later in the podcast. Some other names who get the winner label simply because their teams didn't sign anyone or trade for anyone and we thought that they might, Dante Pettis and dronimo Allison. Now these are two players you're going to hear me talk a lot about during the offseason, but... After the 49ers Week 11 bye, Pettis averaged 6.2 receptions, 71.8 yards, and 0.8 touchdowns per game over his final five outings. It's a small sample size, I know, but those numbers would translate out to 99 catches over 1,100 yards, and 13 scores during a full schedule. So those kind of numbers would secure him a top 12 receiver status in fantasy. Last year, that's what he did during that stretch. He was the wide receiver 8 in standard, wide receiver 11 in PPR. Just sizzled in November and in December. A lot of upside there. For Allison, really a similar story. His hot streak came early in the season, though, before he got placed on IR. In those opening four games, Allison was on pace for 76 receptions, also over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns for him. Outside of Devontae Adams, no other Packers pass catcher really managed that level of production in 2018. With the new coaching staff, hopefully they're going to breathe some life into that offense. Allison is going to be on a lot of my teams this season. Some players who benefited from free agents leaving their teams, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, Trey Quinn to a lesser extent. Godwin's time is finally here. Deshaun Jackson got traded. Adam Humphreys signed to Tennessee. Godwin has phenomenal splits. I've mentioned them a bunch of times. With Jackson out of the lineup, his numbers were great. Now the volume's going to be there for him to be a weekly difference maker. Low end wide receiver two status is totally within reach for fantasy for him this year. Mike Williams, he had a bit of a, a mini breakout last season. But with Tyrell Williams gone, Mike is locked in as a top 30 option. Love his TD upside. And Trey Quinn is the favorite now to secure the slot role in Washington with Crowder leaving and signing with the Jets. Quinn had a bit of a a trial run last year as potentially becoming the replacement to Crowder, but a high ankle sprain kept him out for the majority of the season. So it ended up being a very small, just two game span in weeks 10 and 11 During that time, though, caught nine of his 10 targets, 75 yards, and a score, not great numbers, but when you're talking about a guy in the slot, you add those up over a full season, he could be a contributor in PPR leagues. The touchdown's obviously a little harder to come by for a slot receiver like him, a smaller guy. The team acquiring Case Keenum could also help Quinn as well. We know Keenum loved throwing to Adam Thielen, helped him rise as a star a couple seasons ago in Minnesota. And then last year, really locked on to Emmanuel Sanders. And then after Sanders got hurt, to Deshaun Hamilton in Denver. So if Quinn is next, could be one of the best values in early fantasy drafts. Some deep winners to keep an eye on at receiver. Jordan Matthews with the 49ers they need a slot receiver. Matthews could get himself back on the fantasy map in San Francisco and in New England, their depth chart at wide receiver is just outright embarrassing behind Julian Edelman. We don't know if Josh Gordon is going to be reinstated ever potentially. And Gronk at this point, we still don't know. He hasn't announced if he's coming back or if he's going to retire. So Philip Dorsett resigning there, Bruce Ellington and Maurice Harris arriving in free agency. All those things are notable for fantasy. Going to have to monitor that group, see who emerges. Maybe Belichick has a trade in him. They, They need something. They need some weapons to get around Brady. Ellington has put up some decent numbers at times in the past. Could be interesting to see if they could get the most out of him in New England. There's not as many tight end winners, but Evan Ingram gets the nod after Beckham leaves. Golden Tate showing up counters a little bit of that. He's going to scoop up some of those targets, but Ingram should see an increased target share, which was the case any time Beckham was out of the lineup in the past. I moved him up into my top five at tight end. And Jesse James is a name that we've seen in the past as a streamer. Now he's in position to be the starter in Detroit. That's a nice boost for his fantasy value. Might give us an opportunity to use him again in that streaming role. Let's move over to the losers, to the fallers, whatever you want to call them. Losers does seem awfully harsh, but at quarterback... Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, both of them lost all pro talents from their receiving cores. Roethlisberger was the second overall quarterback in fantasy last season, just behind Mahomes, but that's not happening again. I expect him to fall outside of the top 12. I like the addition of Dante Moncrief. I think James Washington has promise, but they aren't Antonio Brown, and I just don't think Juju's numbers are going to increase enough to make up for the loss of AB there. Manning wasn't a fantasy option before this trade, outside of maybe very, very desperate situations as a bye week replacement. So this seals his fate. There's just too much depth at quarterback to turn to Eli. At running back, things couldn't be going worse for Jarek McKinnon in San Francisco. I mean, he signed there as a free agent last year. Then he gets hurt in the preseason, ends up missing the entire year with a torn ACL, has to watch as undrafted free agent Matt Breda steps up breaks out for the team, and we know how great that running game is. Then the team goes out and signs Tevin Coleman in free agency adding another talent to that backfield and a guy who has a history with head coach Kyle Shanahan. They were together in Atlanta when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there. Coleman had his best year under Shanahan had 941 yards from scrimmage and 11 touchdowns in 13 games in 2016. So I don't know if it could be worse for McKinnon at this point, a guy who really wanted his chance to prove he could be a workhorse. I suppose maybe they could release him. Perhaps that would be worse, but based on coleman's contract doesn't seem like they're gonna have to let mckinnon go unless they want to so i think we're looking at some type of two-man committee emerging here and that's what happened in atlanta they had devonta freeman they had coleman and it worked for them we could see it work here as well i think coleman's the guy who is going to lead this backfield i don't think he's going to get a workhorse load by any means but i think he's gonna lead this backfield from a fantasy perspective think he could offer fringe rb2 numbers And I'm looking at McKinnon more now as an RB3 type ceiling, barring any injuries happening in that backfield. So we know that rushing attack is going to produce. Remember that. Do not forget. Shanahan always has good running games. It's just a matter of how they're going to deploy the touches there. Now, Darius Geis is a tough name to put on the losers list here. We haven't seen anything from him yet. He got hurt before the season last year, missed his entire rookie year, and he's a guy that there was a lot of hype around. We were getting very excited about what he could do in Washington. I just hate the fact that they brought back Adrian Peterson. Geis misses the year. Then we find out that he had to have those three additional surgeries to clean up the infection in there. That pushes back his recovery a few months, puts his availability for OTAs really in question. I think he's going to be ready for training camp, though, by all accounts, and I get that Peterson comes in as an insurance policy just in case Geis' rehab goes slower than expected or just in case he suffers another injury or some sort of setback, but anyone who believes that Peterson is just returning to Washington to be a mentor and sit on the bench here, I think you're fooling yourself. He's going to be 34 years old. He showed last year that he still got some pop. He can still get it done. In fact, if he had signed somewhere else where he could have been a lead back, maybe a team like Oakland. We might be talking about Peterson as a winner in this conversation. Now he's going back to Washington. Makes me worry a little bit about Geis' health, whether the team knows something we don't. Maybe they're going to ease him along at the start of the year. Maybe they'll split carries or something to that effect. But either way, Peterson being there, it's worrisome. I think we could see him maybe steal some goal line work maybe just steal some touches on a week-to-week basis, and that would cap Geis' upside. Remember, Chris Thompson's going to be healthy again. He's going to be trying to recapture that third-down back roll. That could steal even more touches from Geis, even though they've claimed he can be a three-down back. So it's going to be a very interesting situation to watch. If Geis can get back to 100% in 2019, I think he could have RB2 upside. I don't think that's out of the question, but only if the Redskins are willing to give him that necessary volume. And sadly. Peterson signing that two-year contract, I just think that decreases the odds of that happening for Geis. I'm also really down on Gus Edwards on the Ravens. I don't know how you can't be. I mean, heading into this offseason, Edwards was in a similar situation to Damian Williams. Both players had been identified as their team's number one back heading into the offseason, but both teams promised there was going to be competition coming. And for the Chiefs, Damian Williams got Carlos Hyde, who we talked about earlier. I see Hyde as a clear backup now. Unfortunately for Edwards, he got Ingram, who we also talked about earlier. Ingram joining the party pushes Edwards back down the depth chart, maybe even below Kenneth Dixon, who I think Dixon's a more versatile back. I think maybe a more natural complement to Ingram as well could give them more versatility. So we're always going to have the memories of what Edwards did for our fantasy teams late in 2018. But I think short of an Ingram injury, he's just not going to get back there this season. At wide receiver, Jarvis Landry is an unfortunate victim of that Beckham trade. I talked about his target share, how that's going to fall in last week's episode. Just make sure that you're viewing Landry as a borderline wide receiver three, maybe more of a wide receiver four in this year's drafts. Don't get caught up in all the Cleveland hype and reach for him. And that's a real problem after free agency fantasy owners. They see all these names making headlines and sometimes foolishly inflate their fantasy values. And when drafts come around that could be a real problem. So keep that in mind when you're analyzing players who made some of these off-season headlines. Tyrell Williams would fall into that category too. He he didn't get much publicity with the Chargers. Now he's with the Raiders. They're having this splashy off-season, but it's not a great landing spot for him. Not a high-volume offense. You know that Antonio Brown is going to command a ton of targets now that he's there. That leaves Williams in a similar role to the one he occupied with the Chargers, and that's an inconsistent deep threat not great for fantasy. Sadly, that might also be the case for John Brown, who went to Buffalo, I love Brown's talent and I think he has a big season in him, but he would need Josh Allen to make a major leap and that's a dangerous gamble. I'll be drafting Brown. I'm going to take that gamble. I like some of that risk. I'll probably draft his teammate Robert Foster as well, but there's a good chance that they ultimately end up being very frustrating fantasy assets because we're going to struggle to predict which weeks they're each going to go off. One of the more recent moves was Randall Cobb signing with the Cowboys. Cobb's been slowed by injuries in recent years. Now he's joining a team that doesn't have a high volume passing attack. Amari Cooper is going to dominate work, which we saw last year in the second half of the season. Michael Gallup is an underrated player as well, heading into his second year in the league. I don't see Cobb getting enough work to make him fantasy relevant here, but he's a recognizable name. So beware of him getting overdrafted. I mentioned Devin just being a nice addition for the Colts. The player that it impacts the most is Eric Ebron. He ends up being a loser after free agency. Ebron had 14 total touchdowns last year. That was bound to regress in 2019, but now Funchess is an obvious candidate to siphon away some of those red zone looks, and in the post-free agency update to my 2019 fantasy rankings, Ebron is still a top 10 tight end option, but he dropped from number 4 to number 7, and that's below guys like Evan Ingram and OJ Howard and Hunter Henry. It's one spot ahead of David Njoku, who... I like just about as much as him at this point and we could see ebron fall even further if rob gronkowski decides that he is in fact gonna come back here a little deeper down at tight end i want to mention ricky seals jones this one's going back a little further since charles clay was released by the bills and then signed by the cardinals well before free agency open but after a disappointing year last year for ricky seals jones not great seeing the team go out investing in a veteran to come in and compete with him. A veteran who probably, if he can stay healthy, is going to take that job away from RSJ. Not like in his fantasy outlook moving forward. I'm also disappointed in Demetrius Harris's free agency choice. He decided to sign with the Browns. I thought he had a chance at a starting job. He spent a couple years stuck behind Travis Kelsey with the Chiefs. Then he elects to join the Browns. Now he's just going to be stuck behind David Njoku. Joku lost fantasy potential there. Before we close out the show, I have to bring up the Tyreek Hill situation. Now, this is another one of those horrendous cases. We've had way too many of them recently. I'm not going to dive into the specifics of the case. I'm not a lawyer. We know if this ends up being true, this is a terrible situation one Hill would deserve to be punished for. It also would be a very troubling pattern of behavior for the young wideout This is a fantasy show, and even from a fantasy perspective, we have to wait and see what happens here. I know everyone wants to run out, get an immediate resolution, but that's just not how these things work. It's also possible that Hill could avoid charges, yet still be handed a suspension from the NFL. It'll also be interesting to see how the Chiefs respond to this after the way they handled the Kareem Hunt situation in season. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Hill, depending how this all works out. On the football side, Kansas City does have Sammy Watkins. He can be a number one receiver when he's healthy. They signed him to that big deal last year. They may need him to step into that spot. Demarcus Robinson is an untapped talent. He's a guy who could emerge, get a bigger role if he'll get suspended. I'd also watch out for the Chiefs drafting someone, and we could hear more about this case before the draft arrives. Maybe we'll get that resolution even before then, but if we don't, and Kansas City uses an early pick on a receiver, that would be telling for how they view Hill moving forward. That's all for today's episode. If you're still looking for more fantasy reaction and analysis, jump into the Score app, hit up that NFL Fantasy News section, and follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks, as always, to the Roxwells for providing the music for today's show. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave. Leave on time, leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.